Hi there, thanks for joining me today for episode 72 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. My name's Gary Turner and today I'm really grateful to welcome Mary Freer onto the podcast who has a deep passion around compassion. Um, she shared so much with us today and I just want to share one of the, the key takeaways for me. Uh, for those that may know me or follow this podcast, uh, Mary stated that I don't know how you can be a leader without embracing vulnerability. Mary has an event taking place next week across the 10th and 11th of September 2019 um, down in Melbourne, I believe it was, called the Compassion Revolution Conference. That's the reason I've expressed this podcast out in the hope it can reach a few more people between now and next week for her down on the Southern Hemisphere. She will have amazing guests, including superb Helen Sanderson, um, CEO of Wellbeing Teams, who are doing some great work around self-management in the healthcare sector. Um, as well. So please do listen into the conversation. I really hope you take, take some uh, insights away. I took so much away, as I always do gratefully from these conversations. And I do apologize. We have, for whatever reason, there's some slight feedback throughout this conversation, uh, something I'm looking into at the moment. But again, with it being, uh, this podcast always goes out as is, um, as a representation of our messy humanity. So um, I will be looking into that though, however, and thank you for bearing with us. Mary is amazing. Do listen to her Compassion Revolution podcast. And if you're down in, in um, Australia and can get to the event, why not get along to Compassion Revolution conference next week? So do let us know what you think. It'd be great to hear from you. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And I have a very cool human on the other side of the world to talk to and bring to you today by the name of Mary Freer, who is Director of Freer Thinking and also a change maker and leader of the Compassion Revolution. So welcome to the podcast, Mary. Thanks, Gary. Lovely to be here. Really great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And just a quick shout out to Andy Bradley, who's a very kind gentleman who uh, connected us in the first place. But would, as we get going, would you mind giving my listeners who are kindly joining us today a little bit more of a background? Who is Mary and what is this compassion revolution that you're so passionate about? Yeah, for sure. OK, so I, I live and work in Australia and uh, I describe myself more as a freelance uh, social change maker rather than uh, a consultant and so I work as a freelancer and the thing that I am more passionate about than anything else is how do we create a more compassionate health and care ecosystem and when I say compassion I mean compassion in its most robust and muscular sense so I'm busy in the world doing the thing I love, which is um, finding lots of opportunities to nourish compassion. And right now I've created a beautiful um, movement called Compassion Revolution. And it's really easy for people to find that if they want to um, have a little look. It's just compassionrevolution.care. And we're kicking it off in Melbourne in, oh, one week. Oh, gosh. Um, with an amazing uh, conference. And so, so yeah, that's who I am. 
as well thank you for sharing that I, I, from your background i can see there's a very strong history back through your education as well mary of, of social care and social justice i would imagine where does that come from within you is that something that's always been from you in an early state or is there something on your life journey that's really sort of pointed towards that direction oh that's a really interesting question um i my undergraduate degree was in social work and um it seemed at it actually seemed inevitable that I would, I would do social work and I feel like I've been fighting for social justice and, you know, marched my way through the 70s. Um, but where does, where does that, what's the root of that? That's interesting. I come from a family of nine siblings and uh, I had um, a childhood that was probably best described as a little kind of on the crazy side a little uh a little less um a little less nurturing and loving than i might have liked and i think all my life i've i've kind of you know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna tell a really weird story but from the time i grew up even when i was a very little girl i always believed I had this weird belief that I had been born at a, some sort of magical time in the world and uh, it was like a little childhood fantasy um, but the idea that the idea around time and the idea that we take advantage of this one precious life that we have has always been really really strong for me so maybe that's my tie for social justice you know um, that we just make really good use of the time that we have. I don't know. I never kind of put, put those together. So it's an interesting question, Gary. Well, thank you for sharing. I, I just find that so, so fascinating because so often we don't look back and I don't think we should live in the past, but I think it's really interesting sometimes just to reflect on what has got us to where we are. So thank you for sharing that. Um, in terms of this compassion revolution that you are leading, could you maybe share with me and the listeners, I'm really interested, how would you define compassion? Because it can be quite a movable word. So I'm wondering what your definition would be. Yeah, I think I, I really want to resurrect the original meaning and understanding of compassion because I think we've got a little bit wobbly on it. And so often when I talk about compassion, people think that I'm talking about something soft or fluffy or there should be a slide of kittens up behind me or something but when I talk about compassion I actually think it is a um I, I think I used the word a minute ago it, it's muscular it's it's really robust it the real meaning of compassion is that um I can notice the distress that I am experiencing and that other people are experiencing and that I will take some intelligent action to do something about it. So it's the ability to be aware of distress, but we always think it's about everybody else's distress. And it's actually about our distress and the distress of others. And most people that I meet in um, healthcare, social care, aged care, um, they're working frantically and they, they've lost 
connection with their body, let alone um, any distress that their um, their physical or, or emotional lives might be experiencing. So compassion is being able to notice distress and then to notice the distress that other people are experiencing and to want to do something to alleviate that. And it's that part of it that it's a verb, that it isn't, it isn't kindness. So we can't use those words interchangeably. I think kindness is magnificent and I think there should be more random acts of kindness, planned acts of kindness, strategic acts of all sorts of kindness. But compassion is really about taking some intelligent action and some discernment to alleviate distress. And that's why I don't think of it as soft or fluffy because sometimes the distress that we notice in ourselves and others um, actually requires us to do things that are really brave and to say, this isn't going to happen or um, I'm going to be the one that says no more. And so they're not, that's not flimsy. So I think of it as, yeah, it's quite powerful. Mm, it's there's something else you spoke about on some of the podcasts and also at the TED talk as well um, that you did Mary around that compassion is not soft it's courageous and I think that's what you're speaking to here is really this yeah it's it's not easy leading ourselves and leading others is it in the face of difficulty and adversity no and we're we're living and working in really complex times and particularly so the people I work with would be working say like they're working in healthcare or social care or aged care and um, they feel time poor there's enormous financial restraint in Australia we um, have got just about got a royal commission on everything at the moment and um, people like feel like they're under the microscope um, that so much is being asked of them and they're being asked to do more things and do more things quickly and um, so it's to, to notice what is really happening, to, to be able to see what is really happening and to be able to say that can't keep happening, that, that needs to stop. Or even like a really good example is so often I, you know, meet with people or do work with organisations where there's this level of bullying or um, incivility or, you know, harassment in organisations. Now, the compassionate response isn't that we treat that with some sort of softness and, um, and you know, ignore it or, or sweep it under the carpet or try and help people get along or, or just create a whole new set of values and get some merchandise printed. Um, the compassionate thing is that we actually confront that and we say, you know, we're going to live into our values and, uh, and we're going to... We're going to notice the distress that this individual is causing, and without unleashing kind of blame and anger towards them, we're going to make it very clear that this can't go on and must be resolved. And there are certain ways that we're going to behave towards each other, and that's compassionate. That's compassionate leadership in action. It says, "I see the distress that this is causing, and it can't keep happening. We're going to we're going to be quite firm about it." Um, yeah, that's the, that's the muscular nature of compassion. And is there with it, you know, with back to the title of this podcast, um, Mary, do you see a correlation between this compassionate leadership and the need for leadership to be more vulnerable 
and to not have all the answers. Is, is there a link there or is there not? I don't want to make one up. <laughs> I don't know how you can be a leader without embracing vulnerability. I don't know how you can lead anyone without um, really kind of, yeah, coming to terms with the, this idea that we, you know, we do our best and we, you know, can put ourselves out there and want for the very best and we're not always going to hit the mark and we can't possibly know everything. And so to even assume that we might be able to put some sort of front on that appears to others that we've got it all stitched up is ridiculous. Uh, so I think if you want to be a compassionate leader, yeah, you're going to have to come to terms with your own vulnerability and the vulnerability of the people that you're leading and to understand the, you know, one of the most powerful things we can, I think we can understand about each other are the things that we have in common and the things we have in common are things like the, our um, experience of shame. We've all experienced a sense of shame. It's, it's universal. You know, I can speak to a room and you can't, inside your own head, you can't pretend you've never experienced that. We've all experienced fear. We've all had loss. We've all wanted things to work out and done our very best and then found out that we had completely stuffed it up. We've all thought, um, I want to put forward the very best version of myself and gone home and thought that was a really shitty second best. So, you know, let's just be honest with ourselves. And um, I think that's how you lead people. You, you, you're vulnerable enough to let them see that you're striving to live your best life and you're striving to put forward the best version of yourself. But sometimes you're not going to hit the mark. And we've got to be, yeah, we've got to be willing to let that out, you know, let that be visible. Otherwise, no one's going to learn, um, you know, no one's going to learn from us. I really love that point around learning, actually, because I myself, part of the reason for this podcast, Mary, is that I was bullied myself as a 12, 13-year-old adolescent. And it's really funny. I held on to shame for two decades from the point of view, you just don't talk about it. You know, particularly in the socialised man, why would I? And it's really funny when you wake up to owning that shame and going, actually, it doesn't own you at all. It's only if you allow it to own you. And it comes back for me to what you said before about, I'm sensing this really powerful. You've got to start with yourself. You can't lead others until you're leading yourself well. Are you like yourself? You care about yourself. You love yourself. Is there something in that around the self-leadership as well as leading others? And how does that show up for you in the work that you do? Well, I, yeah. And you know that thing about bullying that you just said? I think that's really, really interesting because just this morning I had a powerful conversation with an amazing um, leader and who had been terribly bullied. And it was this sense of incredible shame mm. that um, she carried around how could that possibly have happened to me and what, what sort of leader am I that, um, that it went on for a period of time and people might think that I'm weak and, and all of that. And the beautiful um, little um, metaphor that we arrived at was um, this sense of going through life with the handbrake on. And um, what it's like to to show up with your handbrake on, and and I loved it because I started to think about, you know, if we if we could really uh, 
get to know what it, how is it that we present when our hand breaks on? And you know, when you, you get in the car and you want to reverse out of your driveway and it's like, oh gosh, I've left the handbrake on because the car like is just, you know, it's not taking you. And if we could do that in our lives and just say, I get the sense my handbrake's on. How am I going to move this into first? How am I, and, but that takes us actually connecting and understanding um, ourselves. So I think that's pretty powerful. But your question was different and I've gone off on a tangent. So help me remember, what was it that you asked me, whether there was a connection between yeah, so, so, no, thank you. No, it's a lovely segue. So thank you for that. <laughs> it's around the self leadership, like if, the connection yeah. between self leadership and leading others as well as you can. Yeah, and uh, yeah, okay. So there was a little story I wanted to tell you in relation to that. So I was having this conversation with my um, with my um, husband on the weekend, and we were talking about how we don't always act in a way that we feel incredibly proud of ourselves. That's just the way we are. That's human nature. You know, um, uh, it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone that I'm creating a compassion revolution. I record a podcast every week on uh, helping people to really nourish their compassionate selves. And then there are times when I am incredibly hard on myself or um, will have self-talk that is just, it's embarrassing that I should be so mean to myself or that I might... Um, you know, become really distracted and abrupt. Uh, you know, that's a thing. We're human. But the conversation my partner and I were having was we remembered this instance when it was a number of years ago and we were in a cafe and um, the woman working in the cafe was dragging chairs and stacking them. And my partner became really irritated by the screeching of these chairs and he snapped at her and said, I can't remember what he said. It was something like, um, uh, do you think you could leave that until later? Anyway, she pulled back and she left the room. We finished eating our meal and we got out, we paid and we got out onto the pavement. And just as we were about to walk off, he said, I wish I hadn't said that. I just, I don't know. I just wish I hadn't reacted like that. And I said, oh, well, you could always say sorry. And he went, just wait a minute. And he ran back into the cafe and found the waitress and said, I wish I hadn't reacted like that. I'm really sorry. I I got, I snapped at you and I just wanted to apologize before I leave. And she was really taken aback and said, Oh, thank you so much. And we were laughing about it because we were saying that that's the, that's the showing up bit. It's not like, Oh, I never get cross with anyone or, you know, I, I'm never grumpy. You know, I'm Mary Freer and I know all about compassion. And so I'm just, I love everyone. It's like, no, sometimes we just not a very good version of ourselves, but it's so easy. We just do a little U-turn and we just go back. And we say to people, you know, you came into my office a minute ago and you asked me something and I feel like I, I flipped you off because I was just absorbed in something else. But, you know, I wish I hadn't. And that's the bit about showing up and um, leading yourself. And we can do it in all these, like, little ways and we can do it in really big ways as well. But if we're not um, leading ourselves and we're not even aware of how we're behaving, which I think that is far more important than behaving, you know, perfectly all the time. Um, I think it's about how aware are you of the sort of leader you are and um, yeah, how many opportunities you get where you can just like do a little U-turn and go back and tidy things up. That, that's, that's, I think, that's the secret to leadership. Can you tidy up? I love this. Mary, I'm absolutely buzzed. It's such a simple example. 
but a really it's powerful. a great one isn't it yeah but, but it's so powerful you know how, how many times have we actually I, I can remember on my own my own my own occasions where i've actually not gone back and owned it and i felt doubly worse by the time you've got home and gone actually i really should have done that and then the shame kicks in even more so i feel like an amplified shame <laughs> yes yes it's shame on two speakers isn't it stereo shame <laughs> Um, yeah, and and I think that's just the delightful thing about being human, that we, um, I've got a, this little thing that uh, I say I've got friends who do it as well, when things go completely wrong and, and like we just feel like I have just totally messed that whole thing up, we, we have this thing where we just go, isn't that fascinating? And so we just, we just call it fascinating. And so really terrible things will happen. And I'll just go, well, that's just so fascinating. <laughs> and I think if we can have that approach where it's like, you know, when, when thing, when we, when we're not like as beautiful as we hope we are, or could be, it's no surprise. We're human. Like stop getting surprised about that. <laughs> You know, when we don't respond in the way we should, stop being so surprised that it's like, oh my God, how could, the, how could I behave that way? Instead, have this willingness to go, that's really fascinating. I'm just going to do a U-turn. I think I could fix that up. I think I could duck back. I think I could call them. I think I could drop in and say, hey, what happened, you know, yesterday? Not my best. Sorry about that. You know, that's, that's the way to live. Because the other way is what you just you end up with shame on stereo you know it's like you're you you know what sort of a loser are you well what's the surprise sometimes I get grumpy why why are we behaving as if we're shocked about that it's not the getting grumpy it's that we 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 feel so disconnected from it that we can't do a u-turn and say you know my bad that that's what's getting me through anyway Gary <laughs> Well, well, like to on to, I think it's just so powerful because, because if we think about it, though, and certainly from my own experience, as, as I explained earlier, you know, we're not taught to own it. We're not taught that we are. It's, it's weird. It's almost like we're not taught to be human or to be aware of what it means to be a messy human. And that's part of the dysfunction that we see. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Give ourselves permission to be a bit messy. It's okay. You know, it's completely, it's, it's, you're not always going to be the best version. It's not always going to be the best version of Mary. It's not always going to be the best version of Gary. Sometimes we're just not going to hit the spot and um, we're learning. We're a work in progress. Uh, it's not an excuse, but it's a, it's a flag for us that says um, something's not right here. Clean it up, clean it up and, and keep going. Love it, love it, love it. I knew, I knew this is going to be a good conversation. I've now got to look at my clock going. I've got to try and keep it a time, but who knows? Let's see. So I want to come on to your podcast briefly, Mary, because I love yeah. the theme of it. And for anyone that's not listened to the uh, Compassion Revolution podcast, go out and listen. I mentioned to Mary before we came on air that I literally binge watched it, not just because of our conversation, but literally four, five, six at a time. And this lady's voice, it's like an angel. just sends you to sleep. You learn a lot from it. So go and have a listen. But the four things that I love about it, you focus on love, courage, compassion, and tenderness. Those four areas. And is there any one of those? I was really, this really came up for me yesterday. Do you feel there's any one of those four areas, Mary? I'm not saying that are more important, mm -hmm. are more of a catalyst 
to open up those other areas of compassion within us? Is there one that is more of a catalyst than others, or are they really all just in the moment have different impacts on us? I think I'm going to say both and. <laughs> I think I'm going to say, because, you know, I think love triumphs everything. And I also think we, we, we don't like to use the word too much. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're really careful about, you know, like particularly in a business sense, you know, that we could like love our work or, or, or love the people that um, we serve. So I'm going to give it to love. Mm -hmm. um, and also because um, I'm going off on all sorts of tangents and I hope you, your listeners are okay with it, but I did an experiment. This is why I love love, but I did an experiment and for one whole year, it was about three years ago, for one whole year, this was my experiment, when I didn't know what decision to make, no matter how small it was or how big, I would ask myself this question, what would love do? And it was the most profound year. I had, I just, I learned a whole lot and I had the best, it was one of the best years um, because it's really, really interesting. You get into, and it was all sorts of things like, you know, difficult business decisions, um, interpersonal, you know, um, uh, little fractures that happened, um, uh, you know, when to be generous, uh, when to say no, um, all those things like, you know, your calendar's really booked out, but someone else wants you to come and do a keynote and, and you're like, oh, and then it's like, what would love do? And the thing is, it, love is not a walkover. That was the thing that I discovered about love. When, when you really sit still and you just, you, you know, like if you, if you do a meditation or whatever, you're on the mat or, or you have a moment of prayer or a moment of reflection or whatever, whatever each person does, and you, and you really ask yourself, what would love do in this instance? It doesn't automatically go, I would just give them all my money. I would just say yes. I would do 400 keynotes every year. I would, you know, it doesn't do that at all. It, it actually has you really reflecting on, the benefit of the action and you you get a little bit more discernment over the direction that you might go in i found it absolutely terrific so i'm going to say love and um then uh i think this is probably going to surprise you but the, the other one i'm going to pay attention to is tenderness only because that's another one we don't talk about very much we talk about compassion we talk about courage but I think there are so many little invitations and opportunities for us to be tender-hearted. And, and I saw someone use the term the other day, tender-minded. And I thought that was really beautiful, to like think in a tender way. I thought that was really nice. So um, there are just these little moments of tenderness. And I think we should really nurture them. But... Um, and I notice them in lots of different ways. I'm starting to notice them more. I'm, I'm actually working on um, an idea for a book next year and it's going to be a collection of like tender things that I notice because I'm sort of getting into it. But um, just like I said to someone the other day, have you, and I mean this sincerely, I said to them, have you ever noticed how the barista in the cafe who you hardly even know will draw a little milky love heart in your coffee. 
And they were like, what? And I said, have you ever noticed that? And they were like, yeah, I have. I said, is that not beautiful? Is that not a really beautiful thing? Often I'll look down in my little cup and I'll think, that is so sweet. And I think we just don't notice those things. And we've got to start noticing more. Or we're walking down a, an aisle on a bus or something and a person moves their leg to let us pass. That's just beautiful. And they, they, do you know what I mean, Gary? They're just mm -hmm. a million taken for granted things. And what we pay attention to is, you know, the, all the ways that people rip us off or all the ways that people don't show up well. Or, but there are a million little things that happen, you know. Um, I just, yeah, I fall in love with all of that. So you're getting an idea how my mind works. It's, it's absolutely beautiful, to be honest. It's absolutely beautiful. I love, I love the fact you're going to do a book on it. And I love the fact it's going to need about 14, uh, episodes, 14 different books, I think. You can make it some sort of, the, the next Lord of the Rings, man. I thought I might do a little daily, like one thing I notice every day and see what happens at the end of a year. But anyway, who knows? But there you go. That, I notice all these, uh, I'm starting to notice more, all these little things. It's a good thing about getting older. It's really, really lovely. I say, I really hope, I really do recommend people go and have a listen because it's, it's very, very powerful what, what you put out there. And just Thank you so again, much. to emphasise, they're 10 minute, eight to 10 minute little blocks as well as so they're really accessible, which is brilliant. As we look, start to move towards the end of our conversation, Mary, I'd like to speak a little bit, because um, I was very excited last night to see you have the wonderful Helen Sanderson coming to your Compassion Revolution event, which is happening next week, I believe. So would you like to speak a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, Compassion Revolution. It's a two-day um, event. We're holding it in Melbourne. Uh, I don't know where the next one will be. I'd love to kind of take it to another place in the world. Who knows? May even come over your way. But uh, we have got um, just an incredible lineup of speakers. And um, yes, Helen Sanderson is, um, is one of our speakers. I'm really, really looking forward to having her um, here with us in Australia. And um, we've got Shannon Weber coming over from San Francisco who wrote this amazing book called Show Up Hard. Just really going to talk to that um, place of kind of empathy and resilience. And... Um, Professor James Doty is coming over from Stanford University um, and he works uh, at, he has started the Centre for Compassion Altruism Research Education at Stanford and he wrote that gorgeous book, Into the Magic Shop, and about a neurosurgeon's journey into the heart. It's beautiful. And uh, we've got neuroscientists, we've got um, creatives, we've got, you know, brilliant minds, we've got amazing people. And um, they're going to be with us for two days. And I have poured every little bit of love that I can find into making it an incredible, incredible event. So if anyone's following on social media and they follow that hashtag, Compassion Revolution, we're going to be posting lots of little things that are happening over the two days to give people a glimpse of just how beautiful it can be. But I, I, it's an invitation for us to really start a movement so I, I want people to just join the movement you, you can't come to the two days just join the movement and jump online and, and go to compassionrevolution.care and join us because the conference is only the beginning now then we've got to you know change the world so we've got we've got things to do 
That's lovely. And, and, and I, I love the small vision. I love the small vision. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, been just, it's, it's so, so, so powerful. You, you really are such an inspiration, Mary, because I just think how your grace and presence, but the impact you're trying to make. And I think the thing that, if I summarize our conversation today, the power and the ownership required to show up and to make the world more compassionate. Yeah, if we look at language, which is so pervasive, what you've spoken about is a lot of softer to topics, human topic, topics, heart-led topics, yet they're far harder to live and role model and show up for. So I really hope that your Compassionate uh, Revolution event shows the world a lot more people that we need to get away from the myopic focus on the hard yeah. metrics and the outcomes and get back to what it means to be human. Yes, amen. Sing it, brother. I love it. Yeah. yeah, but this language thing is so, you know, it's really still dominant, isn't it? This sort of, this, this hard, over-masculine, win-at-all-cost language is still the, still the dominant paradigm, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah, and, it's, and not only the language, the action as well, what we kind of pay attention to. And, um, and we're not going to lose financially by building more compassionate organisations. You know, being a compassionate leader doesn't mean people are going to walk all over you and it doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to balance your budget it's financially really viable to um have a high level of emotional intelligence and bring your heart into the workplace so i you could spin a whole um a whole economics of it as um, as people have it's been so lovely talking to you gary well, likewise, Mary, and thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best with the event. And can you just let the listeners know, if they want to follow up on you, uh, with you again, where, what are the best ways to reach out to you? Is it LinkedIn? Is it your website? What's, what's the best? Yeah, you can find me at freerthinking.com.au. You can join the revolution at compassionrevolution.care. You can find me on Twitter at freermary. And... Um, you can actually Google my name. I think something will come up and you'll find me. So I'd love to hear from people. And um, yeah, viva la revolution. Fantastic. Thanks for your time, Mary. You've been a joy. Take Bye. care. Bye. Cheers. Oh, wow. What a great conversation with Mary Freer. I really hope that you enjoy that conversation as much as I did. And I just want to share a few of my key reflections uh, following this conversation. One being around the definition of compassion um, in that Mary spoke about, I can see, notice, I can notice the distress I am experiencing and what others are experiencing and do something about it. The ability to be aware of distress. There is so much around this consciousness shift right now. And I think it's so important um, that we understand that this uh, topic of compassion is not soft, is not weak and fluffy. And as Mary spoke about, compassion is in its most robust and muscular sense. Um, just so, so powerful. Um, because it's so often, I believe, and I certainly was guilty of this a few years ago, we're always looking outside of ourselves for fixes or to try and live the best possible life when everything is internal. And of course, we can try and serve others um, by being there in their moment with them in their moment of distress. But are we actually acknowledging our own distress um, and being compassionate with ourselves? Linked to that, when I asked Mary about her own podcast, Compassion Revolution, she spoke about that I think love triumphs everything, that love is not a walkover. 
And her experiment that she did for a year some time ago in that she would always ask herself, what would love do in a particular situation? If you're listening to this right now, how open and comfortable are you using the word love? Start with at home and with yourself. You know, for many, many years, I could not even say that to myself around the fact that I love myself, that I was I compassionate with myself. Are you compassionate with yourself if you're listening to this? And indeed, are you compassionate with your other half and those that are around you? And can you tell them that you can love them from within your heart without any uh, awkwardness or fear coming up? I also think it was really helpful for Mary to talk about the fact that sometimes we're just not a very good version of ourselves. But what we can do is do a U-turn. And she used that great example of her husband going back and owning that moment of shame that he had uh, in the way that he spoke to that waiter or waitress. And just by doing that little U-turn, owning the shame, and then you just go home in such a different place. There's so many times, as I mentioned, that I've had that, that situation, not done that U-turn, and it's eaten away at, uh, for, for many, many days and maybe even weeks afterwards. And the final thing I'd like to mention that really, really impacted me was I love that metaphor that Mary shared that she had with her, her clients where she spoke about what it's like to show up with your handbrake on in life. Just want to hold a second there with that. Just like what it's like to show up with your handbrake on in life. How many times have you, have I, have we kept that handbrake so wrenched on? Quite often I feel because it's within our own thinking. What are we telling ourselves about ourselves that we're not good enough, that we don't deserve X or someone else should have got A, B or C over me? You know, it's not a competition this life. I really don't believe that. I truly believe that every one of the seven and a half billion people on this planet deserves to be free flowing and not have that handbrake on in life. And it's totally a choice. I truly believe that every one of us has got a choice whether or not we have that handbrake on. So I really deeply impacted me this conversation. I don't, I haven't reflected on compassion um, in its muscular sense before. I'm really grateful for Mary for sparing the time to come on this podcast with me today. I hope it served you, the listener. If it has, as always, I'm grateful for any feedback you may offer via social media or directly to Mary or myself. If you are able to leave a, a podcast review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, that would also be appreciated as I'm, I'm led to believe there's not too many podcasts out there that go to this depth of conversation. I'd really like to try and meet more, meet more people. And finally, next week, across the 10th and 11th, as a reminder, of September, there will be the Compassion Revolution Conference that Mary is creating and will be leading next week. So have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. If you're listening to this on Friday the 6th of September 2019 when it goes out, if you hear it any other time afterwards, I hope you're well. I hope you're compassionate with yourself and those around you. And I really hope you'll join us again on the next episode of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. Thanks. Till then.